this morning we'll have a special time with our president, Dr. Stan Gady. And uh, yeah, you can go ahead, applaud, whistle, whatever. That's. And uh, I just want at least take a moment anyway. You know, we've been 25 years involved on an Ensenada through Potter's Clay, and we have three uh, brothers and pastors from Ensenada, and I just want to say their first names and ask them to stand. And when they're all introduced, I want you to give them a great Westmont welcome. But Dr. Ramon and Juan and Ruben, pastors from Ensenada, welcome to Westmont College. And uh, God bless you. Good. Let's pray as we uh, prepare for this time now and, and for thought and for some encouragement from our president. Father in heaven, you are worthy of all our love. Oh, Lord, it, it's our duty to praise you, uh, but it's also our privilege, our great delight. Lord, receive our, our worship, and Lord, we offer our attention now as a sacrifice of praise. We pray you'll bless our president as he speaks to us, as he answers our questions. Lord, I pray all that is said and done would be to your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Gady. Good morning. Can you hear me? We're going to do something a little bit different this morning, at least for me. Um, we're going to spend some time in conversation. I'm going to put this down over here. And that means that uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to walk down there and see what kinds of questions that you have, and we're going to talk. And um, there are no planted questions this morning, just to let you know. Uh, no one's been prepared for this, including me, so we're all sort of in trouble. Um, but maybe be thinking about questions that you might have that you would like to ask, and, uh, and we'll just chat. I want to do that this morning for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, this is something that I do with the faculty and staff as well. Every term there's a, a forum for the staff as well as the faculty. It's an opportunity for me to share with them a bit and to see what questions are on their minds. Uh, and I thought it would be a great thing for us to do it here as well, periodically. But a second reason is because this is sort of what we do at college. Uh, we have conversations, we ask questions, and we pursue the answers. And uh, so this is a part of it. This is a small part of it. Mostly that's going to go on between you and others, between you and friends, RAs, RDs, faculty, coaches, and so on. But this is a part of it, and, uh, and I think it's, it's important to do. So anyway, be thinking about your questions. Just a, a couple of comments before we begin. Um, some things that you're probably aware of here at the beginning of the year. One is that we're obviously full. Uh, we've got a lot of students on campus this term, uh, more than we expected. Uh, you probably know that, that we're aiming to have 1,200 students each year. That's what we want, that's what we hope for, that's what we plan for. And we actually are limited by the county in the number of students that we can have at Westmont. And the absolute limit in any term is 1235. 
Well, this term right now, we're at about 12.34. We are very full. And um, this wasn't what we planned for. Every year, as we plan the beginning of the, the year, we accept a certain number of students, and we assume a certain number of students are returning. Um, but this, this year, we were surprised both in the number of students, new students who came, but also in the number of returning students who came back. Um, and in a way, that's great news. Uh, retention has never been higher. The, the yield of new students is, is very high. Uh, but it, it created some problems. And the biggest problem is for probably some of your friends who want to be here right now and can't be. Returning students who weren't able to register on time, who registered late, and then were put on a waiting list until we had room and we didn't have room. So that's a problem. We're never going to be able to completely figure this one out, but we're going to try to put some uh, procedures in place next year to make it a little, little less likely. Um, something else that, that you're, you're probably aware of um, is that um, th this year we've, we've had uh, uh, an unusual experience with Cold Spring Lodge. Um, and uh, I, I just want to thank the, the students who are in Cold Spring Lodge for their uh, graciousness over the last week in dealing with a very difficult situation. Um, what we discovered, yeah, let's give them a hand. Cold Spring Lodge is a relatively new location on campus, which has become fairly popular. Uh, unfortunately, the beginning of this year, uh, there was an inspection. Uh, at the, in the process of that inspection, uh, we learned that there were some problems with the structure. We brought in some structural engineers to look at it, and basically they told us that if we had an earthquake, Cold, Springs Lo Cold Spring Lodge was in trouble. It was going to kind of sail off uh, into the sunset. And um, therefore, the decision was that it simply didn't make any sense to, to continue to be lodging students there. It was too much of a risk. And we thought about going through the term or even through the year, but that didn't seem wise. So uh, they are displaced. We found a spot for them temporarily, but they're looking for permanent lodgings. They can lodge on, on campus if they want, but obviously this is their senior year. I think, all, are all of you seniors in there? So the idea was to live together. And so they're trying to find a, a spot that they can, they can uh, live together and, and we're working with them on it. Just one more thing, and then, uh, then it's uh, off to your questions. Um, just recently, uh, I was reading The Horizon, and I read this article about a couple of students who had apparently crashed a wedding reception at the Doubletree. I don't know if you, you noticed that particular article. Um, but obviously, that was kind of a sad piece to read. But I wanted you to know, just, just in case you don't, you are our best representatives in this community, and the Santa Barbara community loves you. And they love you because they know that they can trust you. Many of uh, you get jobs locally, sometimes after you graduate, sometimes before. But the, the, this campus has a great reputation because of you and because they know, they know the kind of students that we have here. And, and that's just a great thing, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, just recently, we learned of someone who put us in their trust, essentially in their will. And they have no relationship with the college, except for the fact that they know some of our students and they know our students' reputation. And they're so impressed by that that they wanted to give a part of their estate to Westmont. And that kind of thing happens all the time. 
So you represent us well, and I'm grateful for that, and don't let a few problems along the way uh, dissuade you in that opinion. Okay, that's it. Um, what are your questions? I'm going to walk out here. I, you know, obviously, I can't get everywhere, and you and up high in the bleachers, if you've got a question, you might want to come down. But uh, any questions, and uh, well, we'll see what we can do. I was wondering what is currently happening with the provost position and when we're expected to have any progress on that that I know of, because I just don't know of anything. Yes, you recall that we had a provost. <laughs> uh, this provost is no longer in the provost position. Um, so what we are now currently in a, in a national search for a provost, and we started that, um, I guess, last spring, as, as soon as my appointment was announced. Um, we have a committee of a number of people, faculty, staff, uh, who are on the committee. And the plan is to try to bring that to some conclusion probably by the middle of this year. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the majority of the provost's responsibilities are being handled by Dr. Shirley Mullen, who is the interim academic dean. I think a lot of you know Dr. Mullen. Uh, Shirley, can you stand? Oh, are you? very close. <laughs> Dr. Mullen has been not only professor of history, but she's also been the vice provost for the last couple of years. And she, she generously, and I mean very generously and graciously, agreed to step into this position for one year while we conducted a search. Um, this is something I would encourage you to pray about. It's a very important appointment. The provost oversees all of the programs of the college, all student and academic programs at the college. Uh, and it's very important to find someone who understands the vision of the college uh, and is going to, to lead us in, in the direction that we want to go. Other questions? I probably shouldn't stand up here because then I have to come back down. Uh, yes? <laughs> I can hand this back. Thank you. <clears throat> Okay. When we when we first came here, we were um, it was a mandatory thing that every student signed a faith claim saying that we're gonna follow these certain rules of our morals and all that. <clears throat> One thing that struck me kind of um, odd, I guess you could say, was um, there was a statement that said there's not supposed to be any kind of homosexual activity. And um, for me, I don't know. At a, uh, being at a Christian school, I would see being open to all people, and to no matter what you are, what you you know, God loves everybody basically. And I, I just wonder what your thoughts on that was. Great question. Um, everyone's listening now, right? <laughs> <laughs> the question really is about our position on the issue of homosexuality. And it is an important question, and it isn't an easy one either. Um, but let me give you a specific answer, and then maybe talk about it a little bit. Um, we actually do not have um, a, a rule uh, regarding one's sexual orientation. What our rule is is about sexual practice. And, um, and what we believe, and we believe it's scriptural, is that sexual relations were made for a husband and a wife in marriage. 
and that's the appropriate place for sexual relations. Um, we come to this issue with with many different uh, with, in, with many different, um, in a sense, passions. Not all of us are alike, um, but it is also the case that we believe this institution, because we believe it is scriptural, that God has ordained sex, sexual relations for marriage between a husband and wife. Um, and, and therefore, the rule is not about who you are. It's not about your attitudes. It is about our behavior. And this is something that we've committed to ourselves to as an institution as a whole, faculty, staff, as well as students. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's pretty important um, that we do treat one another, regardless of who we are, with love and compassion and understanding. And we need lots of love and compassion and understanding on this issue, because this one is not always easy. Uh, we haven't all been raised the same way. We don't, don't have the same cultural background. And we do need to be sensitive to one another in terms of our differences. But there are also certain things that we stand for as an institution, and, and this is one. So I make a clear distinction between behavior and, and orientation. And our, our rule, our, our, our uh, belief, has to do with, with practice. Um, so I hope that's, that's helpful. Um, any follow-up or another question? Another one way in the back? Yeah. Now, why are you doing this? These folks up here are so close. I was wondering uh, what your thoughts are on how the change in chapel attendance policy uh, was taken care of, in particular, how the students were or were not involved in the decision and how we were notified of it once the decision had been made. Great question. <laughs> um, let me give you a little history on the, the uh, chapel attendance policy. Um, basically, the attendance policy hasn't changed for quite a while, which is uh, chapel attendance is required. Um, but we've also given a good deal of flexibility on how that was implemented. But I'm not sure how to do this. I'll go back here so I can see all your faces. Um, when I first came, the, the, the chapel policy was that I think you would get 10 cuts per term, and you could make up chapels uh, by renting tapes. Any of you remember the tape policy? And you would rent these tapes, and then you would listen to them, and then you would um, write out a little form that, that kind of you'd comment on, on what you learned from listening to the tapes. I had sort of deep insight into that when, when my son, who was also here at that time, uh, was painting our house one day, and I came home, and he was listening to chapel tapes. But he was listening to it on fast speed. So he was hearing this Mickey Mouse voice, listening to chapel tapes, and then writing about his experience. Something about that didn't seem entirely appropriate. So we thought, is there a way that we could improve on that? And that was the time when we came up with the idea of alternative chapels as well as uh, service as a way of making up some chapels, some missed chapels. Um, that had two problems with it from my perspective. The, the first is that I'm not sure service uh, 
is a great substitute for chapel. It seems to me they're both great things, but they're not the same. Um, the second is that the alternative chapels became very, very difficult to really decide which alternative chapels fit and which didn't. Why do you give credit for something and not for another? For example, why not give credit for Vesper service or somebody praying together in their room? Why give credit for a particular speaker? And so um, that became more and more difficult to make that particular distinction. And so what we decided to do, and basically this was, this was my decision. It was made in consultation with a number of people, certainly the Vice President for Student Life, Jane Higa, and our campus pastor, Ben, ben Patterson. But this was my decision, which was that chapel needs to be chapel. And we wanted to extend uh, the, the possibility of, of misses, and uh, so we extended them a, a bit from 10 to 12. That's about 25% of total chapels. And, um, but we'd like for you to be in chapel. Now, this doesn't mean, by the way, that we can't have alternative chapels. In fact, I'm open to that possibility at some point in the future if we can work out the problems, if we can have clear criteria, and it's clearly something that would be a kind of alternative chapel. Uh, that may be, be possible. There's some other problems, bureaucratic problems as well. But at this point, I think the, the best thing for us to do is to be in chapel, to use the, the liberal excuse policy uh, well and carefully. In terms of the way it was decided, um, I think we decided it uh, in, in the appropriate way. There was consultation. It was, in the end, my, my decision. Um, it's an evolving kind of policy, as you can tell, over the last five years. And I am open, and we're open, to other options if, as you come up with them. And uh, you should feel free to talk with, with Ben or Jane or myself or others uh, about your ideas. We'll listen to them, and uh, we'll, we'll try to do the best that we can. Um, I do want to apologize for one thing in this that I think was a mistake, and I think it was my mistake. So I need to take responsibility for this. I think it was a mistake for this policy to be communicated by our campus pastor, uh, Ben Patterson. I think it should have been communicated by me. Uh, and the reason is, is because uh, it, I think many of you assumed when you read that, that this was something that the campus pastor's office had come up with. And that clearly was not the case. It was something that all of us talked about, and then I ultimately made the decision. And I should have communicated it. Um, and I, I apologize for that. I think that put Ben in a difficult position. Um, and um, I think it was wrong. But uh, so this is this is the, the buck stops here. And I'm glad to talk with you about it more. And we're glad to think about this in the days ahead. But I, I like I like the policy as it is right now. It makes sense to me. Kind of clean and pretty clear. OK, other questions. Over here. <laughs> Dr. Gady, I can't tell from Westmont's statement of faith what the college's position on religious pluralism is. Could you tell me? Now, there's a question. What is the college's position on religious pluralism? Actually, the problem with this question, it's a great question, but the problem with it is that pluralism means different things to different people. Uh, for some, pluralism means relativism. Um, that all religions are, are alike in some way. Um, and for others, pluralism is a, is a political, uh, social political term, 
which really means how we, how we work together in different communities, different faith communities. Um, basically, on the first, we do have a fairly clear position. Um, we, we believe that uh, Christ is Lord. And, um, and, and our, we have a statement of faith which articulates uh, the meaning of that. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, it is our, our, our source and faith and practice. And that's what this college is founded on. In that sense, we're not pluralistic. We're not relativistic. But on the other hand, we, we do also live in a nation which allows the freedom of different religious communities to work together. And that's a pretty important freedom. It's a freedom, I think, that we want for ourselves and we want it for other religious communities as well. And so we encourage that freedom. And we encourage religious communities to flourish and to blossom. Uh, because we believe, I think, ultimately, uh, in the truth. And if there's an open contest for the truth, that the truth should prevail. Um, so in that sense, we're very much advocates of pluralism. Pluralism in the sense of allowing freedom of different religious communities, but not pluralism in the sense that all, all truths are equal. Um, they're not. And uh, that's not something that we believe as an institution. Does that help answer the question, or was there another part of it, perhaps, that you, you had? You want to follow it up? Does Westmont support um, teaching ideas that other truths could be true, or does it... Um, support the idea that only Jesus Christ is the way to God. Okay, the, the question is, by the way, it's warm up here. <laughs> the question is, uh, does, does the college support the idea or the, the position that only Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, uh, or that there are other truths? And the position of the college is that Jesus Christ is the Lord, uh, and he is the only Lord, and he is the Messiah, and the only Messiah. Uh, Jane Higa just uh, uh, gave me a good idea, which is that you might want to look at our statement of faith, articles of faith, which are in the college catalog. I think it's towards the back, is that right, or the front? And uh, maybe that would help give some clarity. There, are, you know, I know it's someplace. Um, and uh, that that statement of faith has has been there from the beginning of the college, uh, and it'll give you some sense of what what the basic beliefs of the institution are. Other questions? Yes. This is kind of a loaded question, but. Um, in the past, it, I've talked with other professors, and in the past, it seems like uh, chapel has evolved from one kind of chapel to another kind of chapel. Um, sometimes chapel wasn't even about any religious issue. It just dealt with secular things, such as um, WCSA elections, things like that. Um, is this new style of chapel, this new form that we have of chapel, is that leading to Westmont as... Uh, proclaiming itself as a rather large church, because in the past we've we've uh, we've tried to stay away from that. That Westmont's a community of Christians, but not a not a congregation. That's a that's a great question. It, it isn't isn't a loaded question. 
Uh, it's a good one. It has to do with the nature of chapel and what we're doing here and why we're doing it. Um, actually, uh, what, what we have called a chapel program is really a chapel convocation program. And uh, this is a time set aside for the whole community, which is primarily aimed at coming together, uh, hearing the word, worshiping together, praising God in music, uh, and in other ways too. But we will also use this time to bring in special speakers, uh, to communicate various issues that are important. But our intention there is not to do something that's secular. Our intention there is to give fresh insight from a Christian perspective on various issues that might confront us. Um, so I frankly don't think of that as a secular activity. I think it is something that's entirely appropriate for a Christian liberal arts college. But this isn't a replacement of church. Um, there isn't the accountability, for example, that you have here, that you have in a church. Uh, we don't administer the sacraments, and some of you come from that theological tradition. And there are other aspects of life in the church that simply aren't done here. So that's not a, this is not a replacement. But it is a time when we come together as a community, and it's a special time, I think, because it is one of those times when we can together collectively focus on God and our love for Him and praise Him together and also learn and grow in Him, as hopefully we're doing in other parts of the community as well. One more question. How do I do this? Um, Westmont, as all of us know, is a very expensive place, and the price tag is for our education is very large. And I've been talking to a lot of students here who feel sort of confused as to where our money goes and what happens to it. And I was wondering if the college could ever maybe publish a budget that could be available to students, letting us know where our tuition money goes and sort of breaking it down so then a lot of our confusions will be cleared up. That's a great idea, and that material is available. Um, the, uh, the person on campus who oversees the financial aspects of the college is Mr. Ron Kronk. He's Vice President for Finance. Um, and uh, you can go up to his office, actually, anytime, second floor Kerwood, and th that material is available uh, if, you're, if you're interested in it. Maybe one thing that we could do is to put it in, um, in common English, Sorry, Ron, I didn't really mean that. Uh, but put it in a form that's very readable, uh, and you could see exactly where your funds go uh, and how they're, how they're distributed. Um, at this institution, most of your money, a good deal of the money that comes in, goes for a couple of things. One, goes for salaries of people. This is an institution which is heavy on people. Uh, Westmont has a a, um, a lower student-faculty ratio, that is more faculty per students than any other, any other Christian college in the United States. Um, and that's costly. Uh, we put a lot of money in staff as well, in part because of our location. And then Westmont's also expensive because it's in Santa Barbara, and this is an expensive place to be. But obviously it, it goes to maintain facilities, and it also goes uh, in, in uh, in financial aid, which comes back to students. Um, you do know, I'm sure, that, that your dollars that you pay do not pay entirely for a Westmont education, that there are a lot of gifts that come in from others, annual giving that comes in every year that helps support 
you as students and us as an institution. Um, none of the buildings, I think I, this is correct, none of the buildings that you see or that you work in uh, were paid for by tuition. All of those came from people on the outside or sometimes on the inside who gave gifts, sometimes sacrificially, to enable those buildings to be built. So there's a mix of funds that we use, tuition, uh, along with gifts that come in to help support the entire uh, programs of the college. But we'd be glad to make available how that's distributed, if you'd like. Um, we got just about a couple of minutes here. And I want to close with just a thought. And um, let me come up here a second. In the last uh, couple of months, I've been talking about you externally uh, to people that, that I come into contact with. One of the things that I get to do in this job, which is very enjoyable, is to, in a sense, represent you to those who want to know more about Westmont. And in the process of doing this, um, I began thinking about you in the light of a story that is in the Bible, it's in Daniel, that has really struck me over the last, just the last few weeks especially. And I want to read this story to you, and it's familiar to you, and I don't have my glasses with me, which may make this hard, but we'll give it a shot. Now, by the way, the context for this, remember, this is the first chapter of Daniel, is that the, the children of Israel are in exile. They're in Babylon. And they are there, obviously, against their will. But King Nebuchadnezzar has chosen a few of the Israelites to get a special education. And among them are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they get the best education in this particular college that they're, they're, they've gone to. But they also get the king's rich food and wine. And the problem with this isn't the rich food and wine, it's that it's not kosher. And so we read in, in Daniel 1 that Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief official for permission to eat other things instead. Now God had given the chief official great respect for Daniel. But he was alarmed by Daniel's suggestion. My lord, the king, has ordered that you eat this food and wine, he said. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded for ne neglecting my duties. Daniel talked it over with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief official to look after them. Test us for after 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, See how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's rich food. Then you can decide whether or not to let us continue eating our diet. So the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them after 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the rich foods and wines. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for learning the literature and science of the time. And God gave Daniel special ability in understanding the meaning of visions and dreams. When the three-year training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief official brought all the young men before King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with each of them, and none of them impressed him as much as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So they were appointed to his regular staff of advisors. In all matters requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, the king found the advice of these young men to be ten times better than that of all the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. I love that story. And I think that story is a little bit about you, and it's about us. When you came to Westmont, you were with a lot of other students who went off to college to get a special education, a very privileged education, actually. But you decided to do something different. You decided on a different diet when you came to Westmont. And that diet was a bit, came at a bit of cost to you. It meant there were things that you would be doing here that you wouldn't do elsewhere and not doing here that you would do elsewhere. But it meant, more importantly, that you got an education or getting an education that's enmeshed in a different worldview, that's enmeshed in a Christian worldview, that's rooted in Jesus Christ. And so a part of that diet is your own understanding, your own biblical understanding, uh, which comes through, I hope, in all your courses, as well as chapel and in other activities as well. And I'm convinced, I am convinced, that even though there were probably those who looked at you when you went off to Westmont and you thought to, and thought to themselves, well, I'm a little worried about that person going off there, getting that kind of lean diet, um, that in point of fact, you will grow healthier because of that diet. And sometime down the road, when you're interviewed by kings or employers or graduate school committees or church councils, what I think they will say about you and what I pray is that in all matters requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, you were found, it was found that the advice of these young people, now older, to be ten times better than that of all the magicians and all the enchanters of his entire kingdom. That is my prayer and that is my hope. Let's pray.